Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to a third week of being helpless. I'm still getting used to saying that. It just doesn't sound right or good, but I think I'm... I think I'm starting to understand where God is is going with this. Hey, let me tell you a little bit about where we are, kind of what we're doing here the next couple of weeks. So as I just said, we're, we're in our third week, and this is going to be like five weeks long. So this is the third week. Next week, the fourth week, we're going to have a real special service. We're going to be kind of combining praise. We're going to combine a, a, a larger, a bigger time of of prayer. That'll, that'll be the real emphasis. And then we're going to mix in with all of that communion. Since, uh, since COVID, we've gotten kind of gotten down to where we either weren't doing communion or maybe only doing it w- once or twice a year. And, uh, we're trying to build that back up. So we usually do it around Thanksgiving and Palm Sunday, but this will be the first one that's an addition uh, to those two regulars. So we'll be having communion next week. All of you watching online, put a little note on the refrigerator to prepare for that. But uh, I just think the way it's, we've worked pretty hard on this service. I, I think with what we've been talking about and then how we mix that together with what we're going to be praying and doing next week and how we're going to do the worship and the communion, I, I really think there's a great opportunity for you to really experience God and, and to know you've been with Him and been heard by Him. So I hope you're looking forward to that, even praying for what God will do here next Sunday. And then the fifth Sunday, or the first Sunday in February, we're going to come back. And each of these sermons, at least in my mind, and that may be the only place it's happening, but each sermon kind of builds on the other. Each sermon kind of gives leads to the next. But on February 5th, we're going to kind of step back And we're going to look at the three sermons as a whole, and we're going to ask the question, why? Why is helplessness the way God is doing this? Why why is that the design? And if if you've been here the whole time, you know, three weeks ago when we got started, we started with looking at a a story in the Gospels of, of Jesus with the Canaanite woman. And that, that's kind of what started shaping this for us. Well, we're going to end with another engagement Jesus has with two women. Now, the Canaanite woman was a, a stranger. These two women are two of his closest friends. And in looking at the, the story with them, uh, I think it's going to fill in a lot of the why uh, it, is this happening. So I just wanted you to have a feel for where we are and where we're going, what we're going to be doing with all of this. As you, you saw with the wonderful testimony by by Jennifer Sharp, uh, it is Sanctity of, of Life Sunday. And uh, first time in my life that we haven't talked about the anniversary, not a positive one, but a negative one of Roe v. Wade. You know, in many respects, it's good to see that that's been overturned. It was bad law. No matter what you think about abortion, that was always bad law. And uh, But if you'll remember, I think the Sunday after it was overturned, I said, you know, hold on. Absolutely nothing has changed about abortion. And uh, while the overturning of Roe v. Wade has certainly allowed a few states to kind of restrict and uh, get a little tighter on their laws there. What it has mostly meant throughout America is states are getting 
more clear in their law that they're going to they're going to allow and provide for every kind of abortion right up to birth. That would have been unimaginable when Roe v. Wade passed that we would be aborting babies right up to the point of of birth. So, you know, to use a biblical phrase, our land, a land I assume many of us love, our land is polluted with murder. And you know, abortion isn't the only murder. There's other kinds of murder that are, that are significant, that are profound, that we would want to pray stop. Just understand though, all other kinds of murder are measured in the hundreds. This is the only one that's measured in hundreds of thousands a year. Hundreds of thousands a year in America. So let me encourage you, uh, as we, it feels like maybe we should be celebrating the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Nothing has, nothing has changed. As a matter of fact, I, it's one of those strategic things where I think it, it kind of emboldened the other side. It's right now we go as far and strong and fast as we can. And, and we're just kind of laying back going, oh, I think we want something. We, we need to pray. We need to be involved, uh, need to be vigilant, continuing in that task. So let's, on this uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday, let's, let's keep that in mind and add that to our prayers. Uh, so today, as we, we've already said, continuing in our thinking about helplessness. And, and as, as I've said, for you, that's been three weeks. For me, it's been closer to three months. I, I've been preparing, thinking about this series, building it since... Uh, end of October, first of November, somewhere around in there is when I got started. And so I've, I've been, I've been at this a little bit longer than you thinking about this whole concept. And here's what's really jumped out at me. And I think I started to notice this after the new year, after Christmas is I'm now starting to see just in my daily Bible reading, I'm starting to see God as our helper and our helplessness on every page of the Bible. It's like, now, part of that may be, you know, if you, you buy a red truck, you pull off the lot, and guess the only car you see now on the road? Red, red trucks. You know, you become sensitive to something, and then you see it. But I think it's more than just sensitized to something. I think this is like a major thread that, that runs all the way through the Bible. A, a big thing that God is doing and being and doing and being in your life and mine. And I'm just starting to see that in, in almost, it feels like almost every verse right now, which kind of, uh, really adds credence to the, the statement we've been quoting each week from Paul Miller in his book, A Prayer Life, which I, I think we've been selling and I would encourage you to get it, even if we're out to check that out on Amazon or something. But uh, A Prayer Life by Paul Miller. But out of that book, we got this statement, helplessness is how the Christian life works. I'll be honest with you, I've lived a lot of my Christian life without hearing it stated that way or uh, understanding it that way. And it means I need my weaknesses and inabilities. I need those places that, that I'm helpless. Now, praise God, I don't have to want them. Okay, the goal is not to want to be helpless and, and to feel weakness. But when those things happen, and they do happen, right? I don't have to run from it. I don't have to hide from it. But rather, I can seize it. Because those are the places I cling to Christ. Those are the places where I have the best opportunity to experience His power, His presence, uh, His wisdom. And unfortunately, the opposite is just as true. 
when I'm not sensing my helplessness, my helpless or or uh, weaknesses or inabilities, you, I, we have a real ability to take a beeline right back to self-sufficiency. And when we're living, operating out of that self-sufficiency, that is not a place we're going to experience God's presence, His power, His wisdom. So I don't have to want it, but I, I do need to seize it. I, I need to seize those things. So again, I think I got off track there a little bit, started preaching last week's sermon. Uh, I was saying, I'm seeing in so many verses now this concept of our helplessness and what that can mean and how God is working from that. I want to show you some verses. I think a lot of these are verses that we know, we've heard, maybe even know well. And I want you to hear them. I want you to read them kind of through the lens of helplessness is how the Christian life works. Look up here, Psalm 147. His, that's God's, God's delights, not in the, the strength of a horse or in the legs of a man. That's not what God's looking for. The strength that you and I bring to the table. No, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. But remember that word fears is the same as our word awe. I'm more in awe of God than I am myself. I'm more in awe of his answers than my answers. I'm more in awe of what he can be and do in this than what I can be and do in this. And so I make him my hope. I'm hoping, what what do you hope in? That which you're looking for an answer. That which you're looking for help. That which you're looking for a distance. My hope becomes God's love for me. Because in his love, he'll bring that help. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Now that, I'm guessing that verse, would y'all put that like maybe in the top 20 most known verses in the Bible? I mean, a lot of us know that verse, maybe even have memorized that verse. And uh, man, this could be like a centerpiece to this whole idea of helplessness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means hold on to. That means look to. That means I'm not leaving until I've got God's answer. Trust in the Lord with everything you are, with everything you have, and whatever you do, resist the temptations. Resist, resist, resist. Resist the temptation to lean on yourself. Folks, you realize that that's our, that's our go-to. All of us are say, I love the Lord, and I trust the Lord, and I pray every day. Our tendency every day is to trust in ourselves. That's our go-to. Resist that. Don't do that. Well, how do I keep from doing that? In every single way, acknowledge God. God, this is your day. God, this is your body. God, this is your situation. God, you have an answer for this. Hey, the purpose of this is you being seen, not me being seen. And it just, I'm looking in every way. I acknowledge and see God in every little thing going on. And what does he do? Makes the path straight. You know what that's a phrase means? Help. He gives help. Okay, the path's not straight by myself. I'm not figuring this out. I don't know where to go. But but I start I start trusting in him, resist myself, and the help comes. Another one. Not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. Does it get any more clear than that? Randy, you're not gonna handle Monday by your power and by your might. Randy, you're not going to handle this meeting by your power and your might. Hear God saying it. See the end? Says the Lord. Hear God saying that to you. What, what are you mad about? What are you afraid of? What are you trying to figure out right now? Hear God saying, it's not going to be by you. 
The, the answer, the direction, the way, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, it's by my spirit. Well, that's pretty clear and direct. Second uh, Corinthians or uh, John three thirty. This is John the Baptist, and I love this short, simple verse, easy to memorize. Start make that a memory verse. You should have it by tomorrow. He must increase, I must decrease. Now, the context of that, if 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 you're familiar with John the Baptist, he's the last of what we would maybe call. I mean, we see him in the New Testament, but he is the last of the Old Testament style prophets. He's the end. He's the forerunner to the Lord. And so he's been out, his ministry is preaching, and then all of a sudden here comes Jesus onto the scene. And and some of uh some of John's friends are like, hey that other guy's taking everybody. They're all going over to see him now. And John says, that's the plan. That's 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 what the world needs. They need to see more of him and less of me. It's got to be more of him in their lives and less of me. Now, while there's a real specific context in which John is saying that, for who of us would that not be true? Jesus says, you move into my heart, as you move into my life, there needs to be less of me and more of you. It needs to be more of your answers, less of mine. More of your way, less of mine. More you being seen. Gosh, if that was our prayer. More of you being seen and less of me. We're relying on him. Second Corinthians 12, 9. Of course, we, we started the series with this. And a, after we looked at Jesus and the Canaanite woman, he said to me, this is Jesus speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is most displayed. My power comes to its fullness. My power is comes to its goodness in your weakness. It's, it's when you're weak, that's when my power can really come in and move. Why? Because we're looking for help. When I'm not looking for help, I'm not looking for his power. The next one, this is uh, Galatians 2.20. This is the, saying the exact same thing that John the Baptist just told us. John said he must increase and I must decrease. J- John just got to the point. Paul, a little more wordy. He's going to fill in a lot more words and a lot more theology to basically say the exact same thing. Look at this. I've been crucified with Christ. How's that for decrease? I'm dead. I don't even exist anymore. I'm not even here. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I'm not going to this meeting. I'm not handling this problem. It's not me in the middle of this difficulty. No, it is Christ who lives in me. Now look at this next phrase. I think it's really important. And the life I now live in the flesh. I think that's important because you look at those first three phrases, they're very spiritual, right? I mean, he didn't really hang on a cross. He didn't really get nailed to a cross and die. That, that's a metaphor. That's a, that's a spiritual idea. We die to ourselves. Okay. You know, uh, it's no longer me who lives. Well, well, sure it is. You're, when you walk through the door, people don't say, well, look, here comes Jesus. No, they're going to say, hey, here, here comes you. So he gets to the end, he gets to that next part, he says, and the life I now live in the flesh. Yeah, it is me that walked through the door. It is me in that relationship. It is me in that problem. But boy, I live by faith in Christ now. What does live by faith mean? I think we forget what faith means because we use that word so much we don't have to think about it anymore. It means I'm holding on to Christ for everything. When you read that, do you... Do you hear him saying, 
Boy, when there's a really, really, really big problem I can't do on my own, I trust in Christ. I don't. I read that. It sounds to me like in everything I am, in everything I'm doing, from the little stuff to the big stuff, it's Christ living in me, and I'm trying to live by faith in him. How about this last one? This is a verse, again, another one I think a lot of us know. I'm quoting it in one place. That, that verse though, that those words appear Old Testament, New Testament, multiple times. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What are the proud? It's, it's those who say, God, I don't need you. I've got this. I can do this on my own. Now I'm guessing almost none of us have actually ever verbalized those words to God. If you have, wow. But I'm guessing most of us have not. But what all of us have done is live that way. I mean, when, when I got up Thursday morning, I didn't say, God, I got it. I can do this on my own. I don't really need you today. But I went on to live a day as if I'd said that. Right? I mean, we all do that. You realize when it's not clear to God that he's all I got, then I'm actually setting my life up in opposition to him. It is the humble. It's the person who can say, I need help. I need your help. I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna figure this out. I'm not gonna make this better. And you say, well, but gosh, there are a lot of things that feels like I can do. Well, I would say go back to last week's sermon. Remember what Jesus was talking about? Being able to do little mundane things, everyday things, but they count for eternity. There are things that can have eternal impact when we're just living a day of things that we can do on our own. Isn't it kind of fun to take this idea, helpless, and that's not fun, <laughs> but you take this idea of helplessness and how it's actually in all of these verses that we've always known. I mean, it just makes so much sense. And remember, again, from last week, when we say helplessness, we're not talking about a feeling, okay? It's not God's desire. You wake up every day and say, I can't do anything. I'm no good at anything. No, that's not what, that's not what God's goal is. It is that we live in the reality of our helplessness. Not a feeling, but a reality. Remember how we said it last week? There's not one thing in your life you can't lose before you return next Sunday. Nothing. Nothing. You say, what do you mean? Go back and listen to last week again. But that's helpless. You and I, pretty good chance we're going to wake up tomorrow. Pretty good chance we're going to live the plans we have tomorrow. We're playing the odds. You know, another word for the odds is God's grace and kindness. You don't own tomorrow. You don't own anything in it. And you can lose any of it and all of it with no, no, no ability to see it coming from a distance. We live a helpless life. And when I'm living in that reality, that's when I start saying, gosh, Lord, there's got to be a whole lot more of you than me. I need more of your strength and less of mine. I need more of your wisdom, your answers, and less of mine. Your agenda, less of mine. You know, that's such a cool statement right there when you're sitting in church. I mean, when we're sitting in this moment right now thinking about, oh, I'm going to write that down in my Bible. That's good. But what in the world am I supposed to do with that when I get home? Because at home, there really is a marriage problem. At home, there really are some bills I don't know what to do with next. At home as a child, I don't know what to do with next. At home is a mirror that I don't know what to do with next. 
I don't know how to make this decision. I don't know what to do next. We, 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 we get home and all of a sudden that loses all its inspiration and excitement. What does it look? What am I doing that means I'm living out of the reality of helplessness? That's what we're going to try to answer today. And the whole three weeks and everything I've said today leads up to one verse. One verse that is buried so very deep in the Old Testament. It's Psalm 119. Listen to this, verse 147. Do you know how rarely we say verse 147? One time, you're looking at it. And that's what I mean, man. We're, we're deep in the Old Testament until we find this really profound way to live. Look at this, Psalm 119, verse 147. I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I hope in your words. Three things. Three things that I do that shows me, reminds me that I'm living out of my helplessness. Three things that shows God I'm living out of helplessness. Here they are. Number one, you ready? Be sure and write this down. Get up. Get up. Make your first move in the day to God. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move to where God is. I am going to process yesterday with God. I'm going to plan today in prayer with God. I'm going to think about tomorrow with God. You know, the Bible talks to us a lot about praying continually, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 would be an example of that. Pray without ceasing. And what that really means is that all day long, I've got a conversation going with God. And that's that a lot of the one sentence and two sentence prayers we, we throw up to the Lord, you know, walking down the street and say, man, Lord, thank you for a beautiful day. I'm thankful that I know the one who put it here. Or Lord, thank you for the rain as maybe when you're walking to the car in just a little bit. You know, hey, Lord, I, I, that didn't go like I was planning. How do I, what do I need to do next? What, what, what should my response to that be? What, what, what's my next step in light of how that, that just happened? You know, maybe we see somebody was, Hey, Lord, would you, would you bless them? Cause I'm not. You told me to pray for my enemies. So Lord, you bless them. Lord, would you bless them somewhere far, far away from me? <laughs> right? So it's just these little prayers we throw up all day long for ourselves, for others. We know that is a kind of prayer the Bible wants you and I develop. That is not the kind of prayer we're talking about right now. This is not a sentence up to the Lord. We're not just tossing up a quick thing up to God. This is a very intentional moment where we stop everything that we're doing and we're going to go be with God. And did you know it's an example that Jesus left us with? Mark chapter 1 verse 35, and rising very early in the morning. How early, Lord? Well, it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Now, let me just go ahead and give away point number two. It's prayer, right? You can see that in Psalm 119, verse 147. You can see it in Mark 135. We've, we've got prayer. Yes, point number two is going to be prayer. But do you notice in the example of Jesus, 
and in Psalm 119, verse 147, there is a very specific movement. There is a very specific action, intentional movement, intentional action that happens before the prayer. They're getting up and they're moving to a marked out place, to a marked out time to be with God. So it's, it's not being funny to say, get up. No, that's, that's actually what I'm communicating to God when he's the first thing I do. Well, I mean, I'm, I made my coffee, right? But as I carry my coffee, (laughs) man, think of what I'm communicating to myself. There's a place I go first. What am I communicating to God? There is a place I go first. How simple. And we don't do it. If we do it, it's, it's inconsistent. It's hit and miss. And I mean, there's a reason we don't do it. We're, you know, the kid was throwing up all night. I've got a real early meeting this morning. I've, I've, I've got a big, have you noticed that in 365 days in a year, life will provide you 365 reasons to not get up and do be with the Lord first? So what we're, what, what's happening, and those things are real. I, I can't take away from any of that. Those are, those are real issues. They're real things. So what I'm communicating in that moment to myself and to God is that my feeling of tiredness is greater than my feeling and need for God. My, 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 my feeling of busyness, my feeling of being overwhelmed, it's real. And not only is it real, but it is also greater than the feeling that I have to go and be with God. I mean, that, that's, that's just a, a reality. And, and I think, I, I, I'm sure there's got to be some kickback in here right now thinking, well, I don't like you making it that black and white. Yeah, I struggle a little bit with, the, with some consistency in doing that, but it's, it's not because I don't think it's important. Okay, well, then you tell me why you don't do it. It's because you're letting another feeling be greater than your feeling for God. And then I would say go back and listen to last week's sermon and realize what a fine thread your entire life exists on. To where you realize, man, I need help. No matter how tired I am, no matter how busy I am, I need to go and be with God. So here's what we're going to do. For the next 10 days, and 10 days isn't enough, I'll explain that at the end. I like small goals because you get a handful of small goals met. And guess what? Pretty soon you're meeting big goals. For the next 10 days, get up and spend 15 to 30 minutes with God. Get up, 10 days, and the first thing you do, spend 15 to 30 minutes with God. And what are we going to do in that 15 to 30 minutes? Well, that's point number two, and I already told you what that was, right? We're going to pray. We're going to cry out for help. Man, I'm going to ask God for everything that I think I need help on. And when you get done with that, then ask God for help everything you don't think you need help on. Man, you know, I go back to what I said last week. Why would we not tap in to what God has to offer? I I, I mean, I look at yesterday and I forget things from yesterday. I misunderstand things from yesterday. I've got a bad attitude about yesterday. You realize God has none of that. He perfectly understands yesterday. 
I've got even less a hold on today because it hadn't happened yet. And I got even less a hold on tomorrow. God has perfect knowledge of yesterday, perfect knowledge of today, perfect knowledge of tomorrow. And it is from all that knowledge that he gives us answers, that he gives us help. Why would I not want to be tapping into that? Because I'm proud. And I can do it myself. Remember, folks, the prize is not for the strong. The prize is for the dependent. God's not looking. See, you realize how different this is, the world we live? I mean, at some point, you know, our, our, our kids, all of a sudden, they can, they can go potty by themselves. That's a big moment, right? I mean, I had a large family, and our family's away, so we always had to travel, four kids, and I carried six large bags and all their junk and six little bags. I mean, boy, when they could start carrying their own stuff, and I praise them for it, and I reward them for it. And you know, it doesn't change when you and I grow up. We go to work, and we're actually scored. We're measured. Are they a self-starter? When they're giving something, can they manage Right? Can they manage themselves? Do they, do they need somebody coming along? And, I mean, from right here to right here, we are praised and applauded and given raises for being able to do it ourselves. You have to understand, everything you're living in this world is not how God lives in relationship with you. And the, the primary way that you and I communicate, it's, it's you, Lord, I'm trusting in you, is, is prayer. It's going to Him and saying, help. Now, prayer is a big topic. That alone is a sermon series. Not just a sermon, but a sermon series. And I've done quite a few series on, on prayer. I want to encourage you to go back and find a sermon I did six years ago, okay? Uh, actually, that's kind of easy. If you have our church app, you go down at the bottom, it says videos. And then there's all the sermon series for years and years and years back. You've got to go back six years from next week. January 29th, 2017. But you won't see that date. You'll see all the sermon series. And there's one that says, one thing, question mark, make it prayer. And then when you get to that, click on the fourth sermon. And here's the good news. You don't even have to listen to the sermon. Just go to sermon notes. And what you'll find there is a page. And by the way, you can just forget everything I just said because we embedded the link in today's sermon notes. So just go to today's, I just thought it'd be fun to say all that. Just go to today's sermon notes and you'll find the link and it'll take you to a page and give you a really, I think, very practical, straightforward way of building a very beefy, healthy prayer life. What it'll do is it'll show you how a model for how to build a time of prayer. And it's based on the Lord's Prayer. Because that wasn't something he gave us just to recite. Each line is a cue of where to go next. Each line is now pray about this. And so it builds a model of prayer working off the Lord's, the Lord's prayer. Shows you how to read the Bible. How to, how to pick that thing up all by yourself and, and be able to take something out of it. It also gives you a way not just of approaching a single day's prayer, but how to approach a whole week. Because there's a lot of things to cover in prayer. And obviously we tend toward what's heavy and what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. But there's other things we want to be praying about. And so this will kind of guide you in how to make each day a subject. Uh, in your verse. I really encourage you to go run back and find that sheet and, uh, and use that. That will, I think, really help you build your prayer life. So we're going to get up, we're going to pray, 
And lastly, we're going to look to his word. We're going to look to his word. That first and foremost, that's where we're going. With, with this time and in that time to his word. You realize much of the help God wants to give you is going to be given in and through his word. And we need to go there first. Be, be, before we go to, to TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and Daily Wire and Daily News and Daily Daily and Daily 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 and Cable News. And before we go to any of these other things, man, we need to be going to God first. Now, I trust that y'all are all real smart. And you follow and you watch good things. Things that give you truth. Things that give you the information that you need. I don't care. It may be true and it may be good. But folks, all these things we engage with are building in us a mood and an attitude and a view of a person, a view of a situation, a view of the world. And why they might want to communicate to you facts and figures, I guarantee you they're not communicating to you the heart and mind of God. And you and I are letting these things... And folks, this has always been true. The last two or three years, it's been phenomenal. We're becoming mean people. Because it's no longer God shaping our view. And by the way, you can be in Bible study and that be true. Here's a reality. A reality we all have to own. And I don't know how to fix it because I'm not willing to do it. And I don't think anybody else in here is willing to do it. Our time with God's voice can be measured by minutes a week. Our time with the world's voices, hours a day. There's no way that's going to balance out. There's no way I'm going to be able to consistently look at a person or a situation or a problem or whatever else with the heart and mind of God when God gets minutes a week and the world shapes me for hours and hours a day. When I say world, don't just say devil. I'm not looking at the devil's stuff. Folks, a lot of good true stuff is turning some of y'all into the devil. Man, I've got to, I've got to tune in to God's voice. When I, when we say, hey, you need next 10 days, get up and have this time with the Lord. It, we're not, I'm not inviting you to a counseling session where you go in, throw out your problem, God delivers an answer, and you go out and do one, two, three. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not saying, hey, go find a Bible verse that, that speaks to your problem and then carry that verse out and try to, try to do it. Ready? Go. No, God's wanting to do something more in this. He's building a life, not an answer. As a matter of fact, that's, I think I just gave a little bit away from February 5th. <laughs> Come back and see the why in all of this. But let's be honest. I just want an answer. I just want an answer. I just want, I want help. And, that, and that's why, folks, hit and miss here and there is just not going to give us what we're looking for. And, and, it's, and it's not giving God what he's looking for in you and me. It is God's word that shapes my heart and mind to his heart and mind. And I've got to be in it regularly, consistently, all the time, even for minutes, so that I'm tuning in and I start to look at people and things through the lens of his eyes and through the lens 
of his heart. Going to God and going to his word is the most important thing we do every day of our lives. I don't know what day I don't need that. I can't imagine the day you live where you don't need that. Here's an enigma. Life is difficult and complex, yes? I mean, life provides very difficult moments and complex moments. So here's the enigma. The way to navigate the difficulty and complexity is not difficult and complex. The way to navigate this complexity and difficulty is simple. Don't you, aren't you grateful that God made a simple way to navigate the difficult and complex places of life? It was a simple way. Get up! Pray! Go to God's Word. Let's be honest. One problem is the whole, I'm, I'm tired and busy. The other problem is, I tried that and it didn't work. I've, I've done what you're talking about. It, it, it didn't solve anything. Man, what says to God more, you're the answer, than when I cling to Him and keep coming back to Him even when I'm not getting the answer I want or as fast as I want? You know, open God's Word and I say, what are you doing, God? Where are you going with this? And you know what I, open when I, what I see when I open God's Word? He's building people over 30 and 40 and 50 years. They cling to him and hold on to him with a problem. God, I'm willing to hold on to you for about five minutes. Go. I'm not giving you a magic formula today. That's not getting to go. Do one, two, three, and poof, there's, there's the answer. You know, the, the reality is, because I don't always get the answer as fast as I want... We don't build a life of going to God and being in his word. So when we do get overwhelmed, well then, okay, I'm going to give another run at this. The pastor preached on it this past week. I'll try it again. And and when I go over there, guess what? I'm just as clumsy in God's word and I'm just as clumsy in prayer as I am in the problem. I feel just as helpless in prayer and helpless in God's word as I do the problem. And I don't need more places to feel helpless. If, if prayer and God's word is just a place I run to for a moment, give it a try, did I get what I want? You're, you're never going to feel anything there but helpless and clumsy and awkward, and it, it won't work. Because God's building a life. Get up. Pray. And read the Bible. Why? Because God is your help. And that is the means by which he delivers it. Don't fear 10 days in a row and nothing's fixed. Look at that as an opportunity to hold on to God. Because God, whether I'm seeing the answer or not, I believe. What does it mean when we say we have faith? I believe. I'm going to keep coming back here. Remember the Canaanite woman? I got nowhere else to go. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving with anything but your answer. And I'll keep coming here till I get it. Get up. Pray. Read your Bible. Let's pray. Father, I would, I would pray for everyone here in the room, everybody watching online. God, I pray for us a good 10 days of doing this. Lord, we're weak in faith and we give up quick. 
Lord, if I do something, I want to I see a result. Father, I just I pray all of us would do this for 10 days. And God, I op- open our eyes. Let us see. Let us see that person in a whole new way. Let us see that situation in the way you want us to see it. God, may we see, whether it's the answer or not, may we see you shaping our mood, shaping our attitude, shaping how we look at things. Lord, I pray for a a good 10 days. And we profoundly see what it means To do what Jesus did. To rise early. Go to a place where I'm not going to be interrupted. Where I'm going to be all alone. And spend time with you. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.